This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The link between Trump and Nikola Tesla and three agendas behind the leaked Documents News. This is a Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I go to open up the news last night, and the first headline I see from NPR says this, and I'll put it up on screen so that those watching can see it. It says, the Dalai Lama apologizes for asking young boy to suck his tongue. If that's not a 2023 headline, I don't know what is. Apparently, what happened is the boy liked the Dalai Lama, or at least he used to, goes up to him, asks him for a hug, got more than he bargained for because the Dalai Lama was like, a hug? I'll do you one better, kid. Suck my tongue. Got to be traumatizing for a child to have an 87-year-old man stick his tongue out and ask him to do that, especially after he just kissed him on the mouth. All the kid asked for was a hug, Dalai Lama. And you're doing very strange things in front of everybody. Now, now, despite the weirdness of all this, NPR wrote an article, I guess running cover for him, trying to make him seem less creepy than he actually definitely was in that moment. And they told this story about how sticking one's tongue out is known as a traditional greeting in Tibet. And it stems from a 9th century myth about an unpopular king. And after they told this whole story, they concluded it by then saying, tongue sucking does not appear to be part of this tradition. Thank you, NPR, for telling us a meaningless story then. NPR then went on to spend the last three paragraphs of this article praising the life's work and achievements of the Dalai Lama. I mean, unbelievable. I mean, who else on the planet could ask a kid to suck his tongue in front of his mother and the whole world after kissing him on the mouth when all he asked for was a little hug? Who, who else on the planet could do that and then have the media spend all their time talking about how wonderful of a guy he is? Oh, that's right. Joe Biden. Joe Biden could. Okay. Two people on the planet can get away with that, I guess. Now, here's the official statement that was released by the Dalai Lama. He's got a website and apparently a press person. And the statement says this. A video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting when a young boy asked his holiness, the Dalai Lama, if he could give him a hug. His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy and his family, as well as as many friends across the world, for the hurt his words may have caused. I don't think it was just the words, pal. His Holiness often teases people he meets in an innocent and playful way, even in public and before cameras. He regrets the incident. Innocent and playful? You want a hug? Grab my balls, kid. That, I mean, this is not innocent and playful, this little tongue waving. This is a little weird, okay? It's a lot weird. And what kind of statement is this anyway? This is the worst apology 
I've ever seen in my life. It's three sentences long. The guy's referred to as his holiness. You don't get to refer to someone as his holiness after he asks a kid to suck his tongue. And it doesn't even say specifically what he's sorry for. This is insulting. It should at least have to specify what specifically he's apologizing for. I mean, it should say this. It should say a video clip has been circulating that shows a recent meeting when a young boy asked His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, if he could give him a hug. His Holiness wishes to apologize to the boy for asking him to suck on his tongue. Unbelievable. I mean, what if you're taking your kid to go see Santa Claus? Your kid loves Santa. He's all excited. He goes up to see Santa, says, can can I hug you, Santa? Santa says, sure, kid. Hugs him and then says, all right, kid. Now it's time to suck on Santa's tongue. Ah." I I mean, you're not just going to say, nah, not today, Santa, and then write a puff piece that praises all Santa's great accomplishments. What you're going to do is you're probably going to kick Santa's ass. I mean, it's a good thing the Dalai Lama didn't pull this stunt in a mall in America. Wouldn't have ended well for him. Goodness gracious. Moving on. Trump did his first interview last night since his arraignment, and it was with Tucker Carlson, which he didn't talk all that much about the arraignment, except to say that everybody there at the courthouse was sad. They were crying. They were bawling. Why? We don't know why this is happening. And they were apologizing to him because they're good people. And outside of that, he talked mostly about issues he's going to be talking about during the 2024 campaign. And I put together some highlights. There, there is a clip where he brings up something that I've talked about, but I haven't heard him talk about before. We'll get to that in a minute. So here is the first clip where he's telling Tucker about all of the things that Biden left behind in Afghanistan when he pulled out of there so abruptly a couple of years ago. They, they left everything. They, they left in the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left. They, they, they left in the dark of night. Didn't even bother turning out the lights. All the lights in Afghanistan, they left them on. Going to be an astronomical power bill. They they left everything. They they left in the dark of night. They left the lights on. They left the dogs, by the way. You know, the people they say left about the dogs? the dogs. They left the dogs. Everyone, you know, the dog lovers. And you got a lot of them. I love dogs. You love dogs. But they left the dogs. People said, what? One of the first questions I got, what did they do with the dogs? Mostly German shepherds. They left them. They left the dogs. I love that Trump makes it sound like everybody, the first question they had is, what did they do with the dogs in Afghanistan? They left him. So I love this clip because it's funny. And also because this is very intentional. Trump knows this story. He is calling to mind an instance of the Bidens just being awful in the media as well. So when Biden first got into the uh, White House, the media was running these stories about how awful and cold Trump was because he never had a dog in the White House, like the first president ever or however long to not have a dog in the White House. And then how wonderful, warm and compassionate the Bidens are because they brought the first ever rescue dog into the White House. It was a wags to riches story the media told us, except that it wasn't because the Bidens shortly thereafter got rid of that dog because it wasn't well-behaved enough for them. And they then replaced it with a different, more easily controllable dog. 
and also a cat. And they just don't talk about that dog anymore because they didn't actually care about the pound puppy. It was just a prop for a media story designed to humanize Biden. Then they just kicked it to the curb, probably tied it to a tree in the back of a Walmart parking lot or something like that. Maybe sent it over to Afghanistan to wander around in the dark of night underneath all those lights that are still on. I love that clip. Next, Trump tells Tucker what the biggest problem that we're facing is right now. And it's not Russia or China. They said to me the other day, one of your fellow journalists said, uh, who's the biggest problem? So is it China? Could it be Russia? Could it be North Korea? No, I said the biggest problem is from within. It's these sick, radical people from within, because we can handle, if we're smart, we can handle Russia, China. I did. Okay, that was interesting for sure. Radicalized people from within are, are the bigger threat. This is very interesting, uh, and I'm curious to how the media will react to this clip, if they will at all, because while Putin has been portrayed to us as a threat to democracy worldwide, which is why we must fund Ukraine to stop them, Biden and the media have also told us time and time again that the biggest threat to our democracy is from within. It's domestic terrorism. MAGA Trumpers, basically. So now what we have are the two leading candidates for president on both sides right now, both telling us that the biggest problem isn't foreign. It's domestic. It's each other. And that's where the country's been going for a while. That, that's a very clean portrayal of the split, the divide and rule that they're trying to uh, achieve here. Don't fall for divide and rule on either side, I say, even if it feels right to. Propaganda is designed to feel right. Next, he's talking about how nuclear warming, the power of nuclear weapons, how strong they've gotten. He calls it nuclear warming. Not global warming is the biggest threat to the planet which he also calls himself an environmentalist, not in this clip, but during the interview, which is pretty funny. But in talking about this, he is telling Tucker about how his uncle, Dr. John Trump, who was a physicist and a professor at MIT, used to talk to him and warn him about the dangers of nuclear power and, and the increasing level of power that countries are getting with their, their nuclear capabilities which this was very interesting to me because I've been telling people about Trump's uncle, a story about him since 2016, because there's a very interesting backstory there. I'll play the clip and then I will give you some of the background on that. You know, my uncle was a professor, a great professor at MIT for a long time. For I think he has the longest, Dr. John Trump. And he would talk about a lot of different things. And it was very interesting to me for years. I talked to him, passed away as a great, great gentleman. I think it's the longest tenured professor in the history of MIT. But if he wasn't, he was very close because he was there for almost 40 years. And we talk about things. And he said, you know, someday they'll have a suitcase. And in that suitcase, it'll be nuclear. And you'll blow up New York City out of a suitcase. And I said, no, Uncle John, that can't possibly. He's right. The power is so incredible. You can fire up a submarine and run it for years on essentially a tablet. Run it for years. 
Okay, Dr. John G. Trump. You guys are familiar with Nikola Tesla, I'm sure. The great inventor. When he died in 1943 in his hotel room, and it's called the New Yorker Hotel is where he died. Two days after his death, the FBI ordered what was called the Office of Alien Property Custodian to go to Tesla's room at the hotel and seize all of his belongings. That in and of itself is interesting because Tesla was a U.S. citizen, and that office of alien property custodian was supposed to serve as the custodian to property that belonged to U.S. enemies. But, obviously, Tesla must have potentially had something that the government was interested in, especially since shortly before he died, he announced that he had perfected his death beam, the death ray that he had been working on. So after seizing all of his possessions, specifically his papers, the government then called in someone to go through and analyze Tesla's work that they had taken. That person was none other than Dr. John G. Trump. Donald Trump's uncle, whom he's talking about in that previous clip. Now, you can see here in this newspaper article, let me get it up on screen, from 1953, I guess this is about 10 years later after Tesla died and he, he looked at those papers. Trump's uncle is featured in an article where the headline says, Super X-ray credited in cancer cure because... Dr. John, that's wrong, it's supposed to be John G., not John T. Trump. He developed a X-ray generator that was used to treat patients that successfully wiped away all signs of cancer, allegedly, in five of 23 patients who had lung cancer that they tried it out on. And then you can see again in this article from 1954, the following year, headline says, 2 million volt X-ray blast lung cancer, and then... Dr. John G. Trump, radiation physicist at MIT, announced these first results today and said the same mighty X-ray machine has destroyed all signs of cancer in another 18 patients. The Big Bertha X-ray cannon is what, well, I guess what he called it. Maybe he's a branding guy too. And they say it fires two millionth volt beam to blast away the deadly lung cancers. All right, so... Now, did he get that from Tesla? Is that something he was working on himself? I, I don't know. He never says. He, he doesn't ever say specifically, at least publicly, what was in the papers that he analyzed of, of Tesla's. Okay, so a couple more interesting things about Trump's uncle. That technology that they were talking about in that article there that cured cancer, they said, is what we know today as radiation therapy, and Trump's uncle is credited with inventing it. On top of that, he was known for developing weapons alongside the British, very successfully developing weapons and deploying them in combat, uh, uh, like scaling them uh, across the Allies during World War II. He was a member of what was called the National Defense Research Committee and also a subcommittee of that committee, which was a group called the Microwave Committee. Both committees were created for the purpose of developing weapons of war, which they did successfully, as I mentioned. Trump's lab director... John Trump's lab director, after he died, this is a guy named James Melcher, he said of John after his death, John, over a period of three decades, would be approached by people of all sorts because he could make megavolt beams of ions and electrons. Death rays! What did he do with it? Cancer research. Sterilizing sludge uh, out of Deer Island, which is a waste disposable disposal facility. Uh, all sorts of wondrous things. He didn't touch the weapon stuff. 
Eh, he kind of did. He's kind of ignoring all of that time developing weapons with the British during World War II. Long story short, at first pass, it might sound like Trump is talking out his backside about how his uncle taught him about the dangers of increasing nuclear power, but it seems like maybe he did learn a little bit from his uncle, or at least that his uncle did have the ability to speak knowledgeably about that, and maybe Trump did pick up a thing or two. Who knows? Anyway, also, maybe he did steal the death ray stuff from Tesla. John Trump. Maybe Donald Trump has it in a safe in Mar-a-Lago. Maybe those are the classified documents he took. These are my uncles. I'm taking them. Maybe that's what all of that's about. Next, Tucker asked Trump if he thinks Biden will run again. Trump spends the first... I'm not going to play his whole answer because it's really long. He spends the first part of the answer talking about how lots of people do great things between in their 80s and their 90s. He knows a lot of people that do. And it's not Biden's age because Trump's trying to diss Biden without also dissing himself. And so he had to lead up with that. This is the rest of his answer here. He's not too old. You know, his age... I think they do the age thing because I'm four or five years behind... They say, this is a way of getting Trump. Let's go. Mold. But there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. When you can't get a softer question than that, that was a long answer. Of talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, I don't think he can. He says that as though he was asked if he thought Biden could still get it up. I don't think he can. Final clip. Trump is talking about who might run for, uh, as a Democrat, if Biden can't get it up and is unable to go. And he surprises Tucker with what he has to say about Gavin Newsom. You have a very ambitious guy in California, but he's done a terrible job with the state. I used to get along... Great with him. You know, when I was president, I had along, you know, got along really good, Gavin. <laughs> well, you got along with Gavin Newsom? I did. I really did. He was always very nice to me. He said the greatest things. He would say things like he's doing a great job. Oh, he was very About nice. About you? About me. That's why I could never hit him because he was so nice to me. That's <laughs> why like I could never hit him. Like Trump was just ready to hit him so many times, but then Gavin would just charm the pants right off of him. Oh, Trump, I tell you what, he's an entertaining guy for sure. Oh, wait, one more clip, actually. Sorry. Tucker asked Trump if he'll still run if he is convicted. Is there anything they could throw at you legally that would convince you to drop out of the race? If you get convicted in this case in New York, no, I'd never drop out. out. No, I'd never drop. It's not my thing. I wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. And and I got to say, I don't think he's going to go to prison. I mean, not for any of these things anyway, but a, a campaign from behind bars, that is next level in entertainment right there. And, and, you know, we're running out of ideas. Everybody makes the same movie again. Politics is just bigger and bigger, crazier and crazier. This is one that nobody w- would see coming, running for office while in prison like that one guy did like 100 years ago or, or whenever that happened. Okay. Let's talk about the leaked documents story that is continuing to develop every single day in the news. As you probably know, a bunch of top-secret classified military and intel documents were allegedly leaked online back in 
early March, maybe even before then, only to then go unnoticed for five or six weeks until they suddenly became breaking news last Friday on April 7th, and it was later in the day when the news broke, which I'll tell you why that date is interesting, very, very interesting, because of what happened the day before later on in, in the show. This story looks like so much of a psyop, like the most obvious psyop in the world, that it makes you go, maybe it's not a psyop because it's so blatantly a psyop. I think it's probably a psyop. And there appears to be at least a few agendas at play here, which I'm going to go through three. I'm sure there's more, but just three that uh, I've kind of locked on to. And at first glance, uh, what I see agenda-wise is uh, I see an online signals intelligence gathering agenda. I see a planes for more planes for Ukraines or planes for Ukraine's agenda. And I see a revelations of the spy method agenda, an intentional one potentially going on here. I'll explain as we go forward. First, a statement of the facts, a brief one. And this is how the Washington Post put it. The leaked documents, which appear to have be numbered in the hundreds, stayed among the members of a tiny group on Discord until early March when another user reposted several dozen of them to another group with a larger audience. From there, at least 10 files migrated to a much bigger community focused on the computer game Minecraft. Now, I tell my friends who game all the time that they should assume that there are undercover intel agents in their group chats. And in their their platforms, I mean, they're they're all over the place in there. So be careful what you say and do if you are an online gamer. Now, this from the AP describing kind of the contents of the documents, the classified documents, which have not been individually uh, authenticated by U.S. officials, range from briefing slides mapping out Ukraine military positions to assessments of international support for Ukraine and other sensitive topics, including under what circumstances Vladimir, Russian President Vladimir Putin might use nuclear weapons. Then it says a person claiming to be a member of the Discord forum where the documents were uploaded told the AP that another person identified only as Luca shared the documents in a different Discord chat. From there, they appear to have been spread until they were picked up by the media. Lots of unnamed people with a strange named person, documents moving from server to server. Better spy on the chats as well to take care of this problem, I think, is the solution here. Obviously, you know, if you're leaking documents in the chats, got to get the government spies in the chats. The article then goes on to say, The leaks have highlighted how closely the U.S. monitors how its allies and friends interact with Russia and China. Then it says, funded at 90 billion annually, the U.S. intelligence agencies have sweeping powers to tap electronic communications, run spies and monitor with satellites. That's a lot of money to pay for people to spy on us and everybody else. Uh, The results of these powers of the intel agencies are rarely seen in public, even in limited form. That is until now, I guess, which that's the revelation of of the spy method that I'm thinking about. So there's been this process over the past like five years or so, maybe even longer, where all the propaganda and deception tactics have just been revealed to give people, I think, a false sense of confidence in their ability to recognize them. Because, you know, as soon as you think you recognize the con going on, then that's when you're the most vulnerable. And also, I think to get people to 
to believe that it's morally correct to deceive and lie using these tactics that they use against us. So that we're just okay with it. So they, they don't have to hide it anymore. And, and I think that has worked uh, uh, for some people anyway, at least online. You know, everybody's different online though. Okay, so a government probe has been launched by the Pentagon to review the, the leak's impact on national security and figure out how dozens of images that purport to show the secret documents surfaced on Discord. You know, I have a sneaking suspicion that the conclusion of this probe will be that more spy agencies and spies need to have more power to monitor and collect data on social media. Just a gut feeling I have. A defense official told the AP that the Pentagon was also quickly taking steps to reduce the number of people who have access to briefings and that the Pentagon officials are closely monitoring where the leaked slides are being posted and amplified. They're doing that so they can identify the platforms that they have not reined in and controlled yet and put pressure on them, whether it be through Capitol Hill or the way the FBI and the other agencies did it on Twitter, and to identify where to send their undercover spies to go do whatever it is they do to watch people and collect data, maybe even entrap them. Who knows? On the impact of these leaks, the Associated Press wrote that senior military leaders have been contacting allies to address the fallout. That includes calls at a high level to reassure them of our commitment to safeguarding intelligence and fidelity to our security partners. Don't worry, we're safeguarding. We're going to clamp down on the social media platforms and chats where this has been able to happen. I think that's probably how some of the conversations are going here. I don't even know if they're actually having the conversations. But that's how I imagine they would go if they were real. Okay, so with a story like this, there's one thing that you know will happen. And that is that the mainstream media will dust off and roll out former heads of intel agencies who now work for them and have them tell us what we're supposed to believe about the situation. And that is, in fact, what they did. This Operation Mockingbird 2.0 in plain sight that everybody's just cool with has definitely been ongoing the past week. So let's hear what these clowns had to say about the leaks. Starting with prolific liar and former director of national intelligence, James Clapper, who in his current job as paid CNN commentator, said something revealing but not surprising about the U.S. spy operations just in general, how they operate. One thing that jumped out at me immediately was the new light it, they shed on U.S. spying on friendly countries, friendly allies, including, for example, South Korea, Israel, and Ukraine. Look at that creepy, nodding, agreeing smile that Clapper has. And I don't believe for a second that this jumped out, the level of spying we do on allies, that this jumped out to Wolf Blitzer. He's like a thousand years old. He's been around a long time. He knows how this works. They probably rehearsed this whole conversation. How much does this harm those key relationships? Well, it does so temporarily. And we had the, exactly the same thing happen uh, because of Snowden's revelations where, uh, you know, I'm shocked they're spying here. And it was revealed that the U.S. Uh, spies on both foes and friends. Look how he says that, too, with such, oh, I'm shocked they're spying, almost mocking in the way he, he did that, threw his arms up in the air. You know what he looks like? 
Clapper looks like somebody who would ask your child to suck on his tongue. That the U.S. Uh, spies on both foes and friends. Well, everybody does that. Uh, nations behave and, and conduct such activities when it is in their national interest. Okay, so nations spy on friends and foes when it's in their national interest to conduct such activities, according to Clapper. In other words, they spy on anyone whom they declare it's in our national interest to spy on, meaning that they'll spy on any of us that they deem, you know, of national interest to be spied on. Duh. Obviously, I think we all knew that. I, I wonder how hard it is to declare something or someone to be in our national interest to be spied on. Like, what's the standard here? Is there a standard at all? Where's the line drawn? Is there a line? I mean, how many ex-boyfriends and girlfriends of intel agents have been spied on because they've been deemed to be in our national interest to do so? You know that's going on. You know there are intel agents and spies that are looking at all their ex's stuff and watching them on every camera they can get access to. These creepy MFers. Here, Clapper lays out part of an obvious agenda going on here. James Clapper, he's a CNN national security analyst. General Clapper, thanks so much for joining us. How worried are intelligence officials tonight about the compromised sources and methods? Well, well, that's always a concern in, in an instance like this, uh, when, whenever you have a, a breach of, of sensitive classified information. Uh, it is early in this, and so we don't know if there are other similar c catches of classified information uh, posted elsewhere in, in, in social media. Okay, so we're not only looking on Discord, as mentioned earlier, they don't know where else on social media this stuff has gone. You see how the messaging parallels with what the Washington Post and the AP was saying. They're monitoring multiple platforms because they want to rein in the entirety of this Internet and don't want to leave any vulnerabilities where something can get by them, which is going to be impossible for them to do ultimately because the internet is vast and impossible to completely contain unless they just shut it off, which they won't do because they want everybody to be connected. Now let's move over to MSNBC and hear from another douchebag and former head of an intel agent agency, this one, former CIA director and communist during his college days, John Brennan, who elaborates on the social media angle that Clapper was talking about a little bit here. What about the fact that some of these documents have been displayed on social media for quite some time now and not taken down despite the stated policies of some of these forms? That's uh, one of the challenges of the internet. If you put something out there in social media, it quickly gravitates to all different parts of the globe. And so it's really difficult to be able to put the toothpaste back in the tube, so to speak. And so, uh, therefore, I'd like to think that responsible outlets, uh, media outlets and others, social media platforms are going to do everything they can to try to reduce the availability of these documents that uh, truly pose a, a risk and threat to our national security. Okay, say what you will about Brennan. But he is exceptional at being incredibly creepy. Nobody does it better in the intel agency. And he's got Clapper, who's world-class at it himself. So this is, uh, uh, you're not going to see it done any better here. It sounds like what he was saying there was that once you squeeze the toothpaste out of the tube and onto social media, that there's no turning back. It's out there and it's dangerous. It's a threat to our national security, this toothpaste is, and he hopes that the 
platforms will be responsible enough to recognize this threat and clean it up themselves. Otherwise, well, there's just going to have to be some more government control on their platforms that think that they can just get away with not enforcing their own policies. I mean, you heard the lady in the question blame the platforms for not following their own policies and removing things that they were were supposed to remove. And this is where this stuff is is going here, I think. This is about more crackdown, monitoring, spying, and policing on the internet, on social media specifically, and possibly within the chats on the various platforms. I think they're going to attempt to do this, to accomplish this increased uh, security or monitoring, spying, whatever. I think they're going to do it through expanding the National Security Agency's power to collect signals intel online. That's what this is going to be attached to. Signals intelligence is, this is according to the NSA's website, is intelligence derived from electronic signals and systems used by foreign targets such as communications, systems, radars, and weapon systems. Social media, the internet, it is a communication system used by foreign targets where electronic signals can be derived. I mean, that, that's just what it is. And this is what they're talking about here. In fact, signals intelligence is brought up in many of the articles. And there's a clip here. This guy uh, uh, talks about this guy's name is he's a former CIA agent named Mark Palomiropoulos, whatever, douchebag, Palomiro douchebag. And he's in good company because he joins fellow douchebags, Mika and Joe on Morning Joe. And he is telling them why he believes that compromised signals intelligence collection is the most concerning thing about these leaks. What are you most concerned about? The, the, the biggest concern by far is uh, the compromise of, of signals intelligence collection. So on a good note, there's nothing in there about human intelligence. This has nothing to do with our agents, our spies on the ground. No loss of life um, w- would likely occur. But this has to do with collection streams on Russia, um, which are which are quite important. Now, I, I think that there's going to be a damage assessment uh, that is done. I'm not all that concerned about the effects, the tactical effects on the battlefield. Um, but ultimately, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of long term. The future, the future signal intelligence uh, uh, capabilities of the United States. That's something that's going to be looked at very carefully. Okay, so this is a very interesting clip to me. He said that these leaks have to do with collection streams on Russia. That's signal intel collection streams on Russia, which implies that Russia is behind some of this. And that is the narrative that has formed. In fact, here is John Brennan again. Mr. Creepy himself making the point that Russia is responsible for this. Our reporting is that the documents are legit, but that there was some alterations. Is there some disinformation also potentially going on here? Always a potential for that. And clearly it sounds like that there was some manipulation of some of the uh, statistics as far as the uh, casualties in the Ukraine uh, theater, both on the Ukrainian side as well as the Russian side. The Russians have very, very sophisticated information operations. They might have been able to take some of these documents off of social media or if they had access to it separately and be able to, again, try to alter the data the information in there for their own purposes. Okay, so the original leaked documents that were uploaded to Discord weren't like the actual physical top secret documents. They didn't take them and jam them into their hard drive and somehow they just appeared on Discord. They scanned them or took a photograph of them and then uploaded those photos 
to Discord. So with that being the case, I don't know that you really need a high-level, sophisticated, as Brennan put it, information operations team from Russia to alter an image of a legit document in a way that it still looks like an image of a legit document, just with a little disinfo sprinkled on top. I think anybody with a basic image editor could accomplish that if they wanted to, but that's what they're doing. Because since the NSA is only supposed to spy on foreign targets, they have to blame this on Russia so that our government can justify giving the NSA more power to spy on people's social media communications under the guise of collecting signals intel from a foreign adversary for the sake of national security. That's how they do this. Listen to what the Washington Post said about Russia that's very similar to what these D-bags have been saying. They said document leaks have emerged as a common tactic during the war in Ukraine. In September, researchers at Alphabet, Google, very trustworthy they are, they concluded that some activist groups that were leaking info were likely doing so in coordination with Russia's military intelligence agency. So I think that would explain why the CIA guy talking to Mika and Joe called these leaks intel collection streams on Russia. That's what he referred to them as when he was talking about the thing that he was worried about the most. Because Russia did it. Russia did it. Has to be Russia. And I think the rest of the clip, what that dude was implying was that our signals intel operations have failed us here. They were shown to be inept. Not only did they not stop the Russian intel operation going on, they didn't even know it was going on for months. And that things are going to have to change now. He said at the very end of that clip, the future of U.S. signals and intelligence capabilities must be looked at now. It's going to be a hard look at it. And I believe what they're going to do is conduct this investigation into how the documents ended up on Discord, which Discord is cooperating with. And they'll conclude that our signal intelligence failed because their standards aren't fit to meet the challenges of the modern day Internet and social media. And therefore... The NSA must be given more power to spy online, perhaps even moderate content themselves. Again, from the WAPO. Monitoring conversations on social media is challenging. Though the majority, th- though the major platforms police users through human and automated moderation, they get accused of both not doing enough and going too far. Some critics say Discord and other chat platforms rely too heavily on users to report problems. That strategy isn't effective because not enough users do it. Not enough users tell on people. So why not have the NSA do it? Or maybe they can build like an AI bot, a little NSA AI bot to do it for them. I think ultimately... This spy leak is intended to bring more power to the spies that leaked it. I certainly don't believe for a second that this was a Russian disinformation operation. What a joke. I mean, that's, that's awful. I mean, that's weak psyop sauce right there. I don't know if they don't care or they just think people are dumb. I, I don't know. Or maybe there's more to it. I'm sure there probably is. All right. That's where I'm going to close out the show today. I ran out of time on the DMB, but we are going to continue this in the DMB XR where I am going to show you what I mean uh, why, about why the date that this story broke is, is I think, relevant because it broke on the 7th. Something happened on the 6th that is related to this that definitely happened before 
the news of this story broke. So I'm going to show you that. I'm also going to play some clips and talk about that other agenda item, the third one that I referenced earlier, the more planes to Ukraine's agenda. We covered the first two already. We're going to hit that one in the XR, the subscriber-only portion. If you want to get access to that, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. Subscribe there today. What you will get along with the subscriber-only portion of the show is you will get the DNB, this show, ad-free. I take out all the ads for subscribers, put it together with the XR, pop it in to Patreon where you will get a private RSS feed with it, with it. the two shows combined into one ad-free show that you can pop into any podcast player that you listen to your apps on. And you will also get the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping me survive and continue to produce this show. So very much appreciative for all of that and all the support everybody has given. Thank you guys for listening. Oh, I'm at, at Freedom Act Radio on Twitter, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, rumble.com slash the prop report, I believe. And I think that's it for the socials. Who knows? Talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.